This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, Truman Jones is on News Radio WGNS. Good morning, Rutherford County. Uh, Ronnie Martin, of course, is a regular on the show. I appreciate you tolerating me. And uh, we have uh, been so fortunate to get an insight, uh, a view of, uh, of the leadership in Murfreesboro City Government. And I am so happy that uh, we have you. Thank you. Uh, now, you, you have, well, actually brought himself. Uh, uh, Chief Mike Bowen is yes. here. Yep. And uh, you were going through some strange thoughts. Now, Mike and I got to talk about you before you got here. I hate that I missed it. Yeah. Well, you may be fortunate okay. that you missed yeah, it. Yeah, right. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank Chief, you. Chief Mike Bowen. And, and of course, uh, uh, this is a friendship-type situation where we enjoy each other's company. And it's like a, a coffee shop when you, when you go in and everybody gets to gossip about everybody else. This, this is a really special time. And Ronnie said something about he was setting up the previews of what this show was going to be. So since you, you uh, kind of feel like that you're taking over since Jan Stewart's not here, I'm just going to sit back and, you, and, 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 and watch you, Ronnie. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you, you, never fall, you never disappoint when it comes to putting somebody on the spot. Yeah, right? I love so it. So you do a good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, one, I need to um, thank Jan Stewart for uh, mm-hmm. staying back behind and doing work that uh, I'm supposed to be doing so I can be here. So yeah. thanks, Jan. I'm sure she's listening. And you guys, did, I, I was telling Mike before you got here, you guys did a great job over at Pinnacle taking care of all the small businesses. And uh, and you, you're a rare breed in today's uh, government because you really have reached out, done all your research, and – You've made a big difference in in your short time at uh, Murfreesboro uh, City, and as a city councilman, I want to give you um, you know a big clap and pat on the back. Well, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, from I, now on, it's going downhill. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I have tried to stay in in my lane, so to speak. Um, I, I don't have a background in law enforcement, so that's one of the reasons we wanted to have the chief here. Yeah. There are things you ask me that. Candidly, I just don't know the answer to, and, and you know far more about that than I do. But, um, you know, the, the PPP, um, you know, how I can um, make a difference, I guess, day in and day out, um, you know, banking and the financial services business and the economy, that's what we do day in and day out. Yeah. And uh, it's been a very difficult, you know, few months for businesses really in our community. and. Um, very, very thankful. You've heard me say this many times, but for the team that we've got at Pinnacle, um, the bank as a whole, as well as you know my much smaller team that we work day to day with, um, they they don't get as much credit as they deserve, and um, I'm really appreciative for the work that they do. So yeah, but uh, it's been it's been challenging. Hopefully things will be better. It's good to see a good crowd here again at Sylvan Park. So. Yeah, well, Sylvan Park is a different restaurant because. It'll be full when you come in, and 30 minutes later, everybody's gone. It's, it's so almost like wave. they're working shifts. Yeah, that's right. When, when it's amazing to see them, how, how they're able to be so successful. And um, even the movie theaters. I, I I watched Psycho last night, and I'm sure Mike would have enjoyed it. And it was it was, it was, it was kind of reminded me of the protesters that came in here and, and, and tried have, to take. Did you, were you banded off and, and secluded? Did anybody sit beside you? 
Actually, anybody, I, if people want to come in and sit in my lap, that's fine. I don't care. Did you wear your mask? You've got one of those things. Goodness <laughs> I, gracious. It's, a, it's just precaution. In the certain circumstances, we have to be prepared. Is that because they have some kind of rule that you have to have a mask on? Because if 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 uh, you guys start closing things down, uh, I, I'm not going to be around here. I am going to leave and find some place where there's still some sanity left in this world. We, Truman, in, in absence of us knowing exactly what's going to happen with the virus, I think the more precaution we can take, the less likely we are to have to make sweeping sweeping decisions about closing businesses down. So it's my precaution. Nobody knows anything about that particular disease. It's a quite obvious. And, and the more I get out, the happier I am. My sanity stays with me. It's important. Yes, it is. Very Especially important. Especially at your age. Yeah, thank you very much. How, how come at my age we're not worried about it? Well, I just see how hard you work in the mornings at the gym, and so I just want to give you a shout-out. You uh, uh, you work you hard. You were late coming I in know, this morning. I, I had a hard time getting up this morning. So, Do you have those days? I do. Um, a lot of it has to do with whether or not my dog wakes me up because yeah. I've got a dog that knows my routine. Yeah. And so when you are between 4.30 and 4.45, she yeah. gets me out of bed. Yeah. She knows it's time for me to get up. Yeah. And sometimes she sleeps in, and uh, I'm, I'm 30 minutes or so late. So. Bless her heart. Yep. Now, Mike, y'all had, you've been through some hard times during all this uh, with all the protesters coming in. And, and uh, the thing that I find most interesting is that when the times get difficult, you uh, law enforcement always stands tall no matter what the situation is. And and I was so proud of you guys when all the protesters started coming in. And, and uh, they are almost, well, they're extremely unreasonable, uh, this type of protest that we've seen pretty much across the country. But you did not let them um, start taking over, whether it be the downtown area or where it was over at uh, Middle Tennessee and, uh, and East Main Street and, and those type things. And... How, how long did it take you to prepare for this particular situation? Of course, all the agencies work extremely well together here. Right, and we always just have to go back to uh, our, our goals whenever a protest does mm-hmm. uh, come to the city, and that is to provide a safe place for yeah. people to exercise their First Amendment rights. That's the pro- priority. Yeah. So you'll see that the planning stages vary. You know, a lot of it just depends on the information we receive and when we receive that information and, you know, how valid is the information that we receive. So that can vary. Uh you alluded to it that we are fortunate in the fact that we have uh, pretty close working relationships with uh, everybody in the county. Yeah, uh, our law enforcement uh, ties are very strong. Uh, state of Tennessee has always been uh, uh, Highway Patrol has always been uh, a great partner, uh, great to work with, and have always uh, made uh, resources available to us uh, when we need it. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I said, uh, we try to uh, get as much information about the events leading up to the time of the event. Sometimes you have little notice. Sometimes uh, you'll see, like in 2017, we actually had uh, advance notice. Uh, I would yep. say it was a couple weeks uh, advance notice that something was coming. So a lot of that varies, and you really just have to look at, uh, you know, people talk about various protests. You really have to look at the context of what's going on at the time. Yeah. You know, you know how you might have handled something a year ago might be totally different. Uh, the way you'd handle it now just based on you know just context of everything going on it's good to know that the citizens in this community support our police isn't it it is it is uh we've got an amazing police force and i'm proud i don't think there would be a chief in this state that wouldn't be proud of the people that uh, work at the merciful police department but yeah. committed and even though uh, we've been dealing with the protests, the COVID situation, just a lot of unusual things this year, they're still as committed today as they've ever been in, in serving the, the citizens of this community. I'm proud of them. The things that they do on a day, daily basis would uh, uh, would shock most people because th- th- there's a lot there's a lot of work to be done out there. And uh, you know they still go out and they deal with these violent crime incidents that we've had recently. Uh, they still they deal with uh, things of that nature, and they they just keep on moving forward. 
Yeah, I've, I've talked to a number of officers, both at, at your department and in the county and, and things like that. And uh, you can tell that even here, they get a little bit down the way the police are treated uh, pretty much across the nation. And, and uh, I think we're almost getting ready to see a rallying cry from all law enforcement agencies in support of, of what they're doing. And, and they don't like to see the erosion that's going on in our legal system. And, of course, I think one of the, the biggest problems that we have is every time a law enforcement officer does something, there's always a camera there. And, and, and the... Um, you, you you can see what they're trying to do as far as the major um, uh, stations across the country, where it be NBC, CBS, uh, the Communist News Network, CNN, and things like that. And uh, I think that people are becoming stronger supporters of because of what they're trying to do. I mean, everybody can see the lie that's, that's going on, and, and they're trying to take our um, protection away from us as far as the law enforcement officers are concerned. So it, it, it's, it's, it's very strong that we have to have leaders like you and Mike and all the other agencies here. It's very important that you guys stand tall alongside of them, isn't it? It is, it is. You know, it's uh, interesting. One of the things that I've, I've told many uh, new officers starting at the agency, you know, you're in a profession where a decision you make not yeah. only affects the guy next to you, yeah. it affects the guy in the next city. And as we've seen, a decision by law enforcement can affect the, the world uh, overall. Yeah. So it's important to know that we have got to make those uh, good decisions and we need to base it on the training and the standards that are applied to us. Mm-hmm. And then it's also important for us as uh, law enforcement, whenever we do uh, make errors, that we admit those errors and then we learn from those errors and then, then we take corrective action. So, yeah. Uh, and I think by doing that, you gain trust in the community, and yeah. that trust is what gets you that ultimate support long term. I know it's getting more difficult to hire law enforcement officers, just like it's getting more difficult to hire teachers and things like that. And, and Ronnie, uh, the the virus problem, the, the scare, uh, the taking away all the freedoms and things like that, um, it's it's probably hurt the budgets quite a bit as far as uh, reaching out to the people who who deserve the the raises and things like that and and i, I know that it's probably uh harming uh, to go along with the other things that are going on the lack of support for officers in other areas not as much here but um when you when an officer wants to be a part of of, of the police department and part of the city and they see a lot of these things that are going on. How do you uh, reach out to these people and let them know you're really behind them, you're really supporting them, but we're going through a kind of a drive spell right now? You know, I think um, speaking for myself, I've tried to make sure that when I am in the oper- when I have the opportunity, presented with the opportunity to to talk about. Uh, the Murfreesboro Police Department, mm-hmm. uh, that I, I lean into that conversation and say, hey, I'm happy to talk about the Murfreesboro Police Department. Uh, I, I don't have a conflict like I think other people do mm-hmm. from the standpoint of saying, you know, here are these national systemic issues related to policing and automatically laying that blanket over the Murfreesboro Police Department. I, mm-hmm. I'm very happy to pull that back and say, you know, we don't have some of those same incidents, you know, in Murfreesboro that happen in other places. Yeah. But but the thing you got to be careful about, too, is we can't ignore some of the things that are going on, you know, in the policing uh, realm, uh, especially as elected officials in the community because we represent the entire community. So mm. I think my job is to, to listen to those um, concerns that people in the community have. And make sure I balance that with saying, hey, I'm happy to listen to issues going on, you know, outside of the state of Tennessee or outside of Murfreesboro. But talk to me about specific instances of bad experiences you've had in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, because um, you talked about hiring police officers. And I went through and I mentioned this to Chief Bowen. I've gone through the Citizens Police Academy twice for the city of Murfreesboro. I went back. I went through it when uh, Mr. Christman was there. 
Um, it was a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, Did you fail? How no, come I you got to go through twice? I just like, I enjoy learning and I enjoy study. And so I figured it had been a long time since I'd been through. Plus, I wanted to have the experience of spending some time with Chief Bowen, looking at the new police department that we had, the new mm-hmm. facility. And, you know, things change in yeah. law enforcement. And if we talk about some of the things that are going on in the community today, if you look at how, and I'm not an expert, that's why we've got Chief here, but... Uh, how policing has changed over the years, and it has yeah. changed, and it probably will continue to change as technology changes, as as we change as a community. We want policing to be reflective of our community. But been very, very proud of of the Murfreesboro Police Department and the job they do. Um, you go back, and I'd like Chief to talk about sort of the hiring process, the mm-hmm. vetting process that we go through to find police officers. And you talked about the budget, you know, and Chief, correct me on this. I can't. I think it was thirteen positions from uh, police department were unfilled um may have been 18 but 13 to 18 positions were unfilled where we kind of removed those from a budget process and we didn't fund them how, how many was that that was 19 positions 19 positions now the way the uh i know the, with the different things going on with the city and the budget i, I know that any vacant positions that we currently have, we're, we're, we've been allowed to fill those. Right. And those are based on last year's budget numbers. I know that we had 19 new positions that would have brought us up from uh, 281 certified officers to 300 officers. Right. Those have been put on hold. Right. But uh, as far as filling, backfilling other vacancies to keep us at that 281 number, we've been moving forward with that, and we have been hiring based on that number. And see, that's the compromise that you make as you talked about dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, we've really not seen We'll probably find out, you know, in mid-July, what was the impact of March and April sales tax receipts with businesses being closed? How does that impact the budget that we've got moving forward? We've, we, we have to have a budget in place. I think it's by June 30th um, or so. So we voted on that and we've approved that. But we had to make a decision about how we were going to fund the upcoming year without even knowing what our revenue was going to look like because of what COVID was. So we plan to revisit that. You know, uh, my hope is that, that those dollars, if we need those certified police officers, those dollars are returned to the police department because I think um, we've got to do everything we can do as elected officials to make sure that the chief has the resources he needs to have a um, uh, a police refor- uh, police force that reflects the values of our community, good officers that have fair pay, and and that's a tough issue because it's a hard job. It's a really hard job. Hey, you're talking about, all right, what if we start having uh, um, problems as far as the separation in all these small businesses mm-hmm. that are going on right now? And we have seen how uh, badly, it affected our community financially, and, and not only for the government issues, but also the, the people that um, are the, the citizens who are directly affected as far as their work and right. things like that. Um, are, are, if, say if the governor decides that he's going to start making people wearing masks and be quarantined and things like that, do you have the uh, ability to not go along with what he is saying because uh, of all the damage that was done beforehand. How how would you deal with that as far as the city is concerned? I I think, and again, I can just speak for Ronnie Martin. I think what my perspective on that would be, you know, every community is going to be a little different Mm -hmm. uh, based on population and density and the socioeconomic um, economy makeup of what we have. We're not Nashville. We're not Nashville. Um, We're not Woodbury. Um, And so how do you apply um, good common sense things to each individual community Mm -hmm. uh, while taking, you know, the governor's guidance and leadership? I mean, because we've got a governor for a reason. Um, So we assume that he's got resources and good data to support the things he's doing and he's trying to do things you know for the state as a whole so i think murfreesboro um, from my perspective we would want to stay very closely aligned with what the governor is doing whether we had to or not it's probably a different issue Um, i think we probably would (laughs) have to but i think in the spirit of what he's trying to do um you know i think that's a hard position you know that's a hard position to be in Mm -hmm. if anything i think we would probably as a community err on the side of doing more than what the governor's asking rather than doing less don't we give 
shouldn't we give the citizens in a community more credit than taking away all of their freedoms and let them make decisions on their own? Because I, I, you know where I stand I on do. it. Yep. Um, I, I think you make a great point. And look, you know, we're in a we're in a democratic, free country, and that's one of the things we all love about where we live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's in our nature to ask questions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, having said that, you as you've been in law enforcement, you know as well as I do that you can't trust people to their own devices. A lot of people won't take you know good consideration into account for other people they just won't um and so there has to be some minimum expectation for the public good of what we're doing so i I know you're not crazy about this but uh i think to a certain extent we've got to protect the citizens from themselves because a lot of people will put others at risk for example you've got people that will come into work and have had a fever well that's irresponsible you can't do that. So, do we have to put some protections in place to protect everybody else? And I think they. Yeah, this. that's just yeah, that's just one small instance. This is this is a full scale thing that that goes on, as far as uh, the 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 people. As far as I'm concerned, most of them, by far, sure. are going to make good decisions about what they do, and I I, uh, I give them a, a little bit more credit because. Uh, I've been around here a long time. I, I have actually been working with people most of my life and, and have learned a lot about what goes on, such as Mike has, too, in his particular position. And there's something about being in law enforcement. You you get more of a, um, a feeling that people are going to do the right thing when it, when it comes right down to it. And, and just like... Uh, uh, law enforcement officers, they have to make decisions in, in a split second, in, in, in the blink of an eye. And, and they get so used to that that they, they, they really have a better rapport with the general uh, public than just about anybody else. And, and to, for people uh, that are, I think the way that you can come in into a country and erode all the the values of that country is to start working at the real strength and that's law enforcement sure. it really is they have a uh, they have something an innate ability to read other people and i think mike will agree with me on that well you develop a lot of skills and different yeah. people i mean that's just the nature of the job that you're able to you're exposed to individuals yeah. on them and just Anywhere from a stolen lawnmower to a life or life death situation. Yeah. So you, you know, over time, yeah, you, you cover you everything. That, yeah, you develop that ability to read people and read situations, and uh, you know, it becomes second nature over time. Yeah, Chief, talk about um, one of the things that I well, learned. Before we go there, I mean, I know you take know over. This you always show. take go over ahead. my I'm show sorry. every time you're on here. But we have a caller. Oh, in. okay, sure. Caller, welcome aboard with uh, Chief Mike Bowen and. Uh, City Councilman Ronnie, Ronnie Martin. Martin. Yep. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, good morning. I just had a, some questions pertaining to law enforcement. You know, with the COVID going on, y'all been talking about and the um, prisoners that uh, have been being released due to the COVID outbreak in prisons, and uh, and then going out and committing more heinous crimes and. Um, that they did before, and I just wanted to know who makes those choices of who releases these prisoners, and if this has ever happened in Rutherford County. I'll hang up and listen. I'm afraid, Truman, that I'm not going to be able to answer that question. We don't have a jail, so we don't actually deal with housing prisoners or booking in prisoners or releasing prisoners. So the criteria and the standards that are used for those decisions, I'm not familiar with uh, well enough to to talk about. So, But uh, like I said, we don't house. We don't house prisoners or we don't book them or or release them. Yeah, that would be something that um, for most places would would be uh, the judges would would have say so in there and and, and then also the sheriff as far as uh, dealing with those particular people what type of uh, prisoners they are as as they're being controlled inside a jail or a workhouse and and for the most part uh, 
they should be going through the misdemeanors, uh, the ones that are charged with the lesser right, crimes. Right. And then it, it, uh, they would look into that individual's background as far as uh, what, what, how he was when he was out on the streets and, and things like that. Exactly. It, it's usually a common sense network, but we're seeing in a lot of states that they're just opening the door for people who are, who are hard-line criminals. And, and, of course, in a lot of these places in the major cities, uh, someplace like Chicago and in right. uh, Detroit and uh, let's let's say Seattle. I want to bring Seattle up because, I, I mean, they're completely out of sight there. But, but uh, you're right, Mike. Uh, uh, if, if you do it right, then... It's still going to be wrong because you know the type of people that we deal with, and they wouldn't be in uh, still being held in jail if, if they were not a problem to society. But basically, here in an area that is not a hard line big city, we wouldn't have the problems as a rule, and be easier to do it here than it would somewhere else. Right, and I don't know if Tennessee Department of Corrections, if they have certain criteria, what they're doing at their level, so uh, on the statewide no. level, so I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. I have a question. How is it that we um, – so I'm, obviously I know that we don't have a city jail, but how is it that we have a county facility that is where we hold folks? But, I mean, what is what happens when a crime happens inside the city? Do we take everybody to the county jail? Exactly. Yeah. And it's always been that way? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, uh, used to, years ago, they would hold city – prisoners who were there for city violations but for state violations it has to go to the county okay yeah yeah and since i've been there i started in 88 we never house prisoners at yeah. all locations okay yeah do we do we pay the county for that i mean there's it- there's certain things that we pay for i know we have a contractual service with the fingerprinting things like that where okay. they do of our booking process so there's certain things that we'll pay for it's stuff that we could do mm-hmm. but we find it more feasible just to contract with the county and i think it's just i think it's just the fingerprinting contract yeah for as far as holding prisoners no that's all state and county related okay yeah so will you talk a little bit about one of the things that I was really fascinated with when you talked about how hard it was to find um, police officers, to hire police officers. That's one of the things that came out when I went through the police academy, Citizens Police Academy. Um, it, it's amazing to hear about who applies, the vetting process, what you go through. And I think in the current environment when you see, um, uh, you know, the incident that happened, um, you know, in Minnesota, you see something like that happen, you start to question not only, you know, what were the other officers thinking that were watching that happen. Of course, it's always easy to second guess those situations. You don't have a play-by-play from the beginning to end, so you have to keep that in mind. We're seeing a snapshot of what happened. But it, it is easy to be critical when you see something as, as difficult as that was for all of us to watch. But you also have other officers that are standing by and watching that, and you have citizens that are standing by and watching that. And I think some of that speaks to, um, you know, the quality of law enforcement of people that we hire. How do we pay those folks? Who are we attracting? So talk about what we do in Murfreesboro and share some of that because I think it's really interesting. Well, we uh, we typically advertise a couple times a year for uh, for uh, new officer positions, and that's just based through attrition and any new positions that we make in the budget typically. You'll see us start advertising uh, around December and then, uh, once again, right after the budget uh, to fill any positions that we may have been awarded in the budget. You'll find that typically from the time that we announce a position uh, to the time that person is ready to roll out on the street and be a, a, a single resource for us, a year would probably be... It's 10 months to a year before that person's ready to operate. So anything that I might operate. We're going to cut you short. We need to take a break, but we're going to come back to this. Sounds good. Thanks, Ruben. All right. Not only did Mary make herself readily available for us as we made the long trip here from Michigan, but as we requested some changes, like more houses, cancellations, she just embraced it all and smiled. Buying and selling a home can be stressful. That's why it's important to work with somebody who cares. I recommend whoever is hearing this to jump off and call Mary Catherine Hughes. She's amazing and will go above and beyond for you. Mary Catherine Hughes, sold by MK, powered by EXP Realty. 
Don't miss the Durango Boots 4th of July Bash this Friday at French's Shoes and Boots. Family fun from 9 a.m. until 7 p.m. with music, food, gifts, prizes, live performances, and a chance to win a pair of boots every hour. Celebrate the 4th with 20% off a new pair of Durango Boots all weekend long. See you at the Durango Boots 4th of July Bash at French's Friday. It makes good sense to shop at French's. Shoes and boots. 1837 South Church Street here in Murfreesboro. Why join a credit union? Credit unions offer the same services as banks but are not for profit. Credit unions are owned by their members, not Wall Street investors. Credit unions are among the highest rated services ever evaluated by Consumer Reports. Need another reason to join a credit union? If you join Heritage South Community Credit Union now through June 30th, you could win $2,500. Sounds like a good reason to me. Learn more at HeritageSouth.org. Insured by NCUA. This is Lisa Halliburton at Bell Jewelers. We have baby gifts, graduation gifts, gifts for all life special moments. Waterford crystal that can be personalized with engraving. We have a computerized engraving machine that can engrave crystal. Our front table as you walk in always has whatever the next upcoming event is. Bell Jewelers, Northwest Broad Street across from Toots Restaurant. Bell Jewelers. All right, guys. Prioritizing your health now is more important than ever. It's important to not only build your immune system, but to address any chronic health issues you may have. As you might know, I've been personally recommending Low T Center for years. Yes, this is Scott. It all starts with an annual wellness exam where they do a comprehensive health assessment exclusively for men, making it quick and easy to take care of your health, and they're following all CDC guidelines. And now they're offering monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures to ensure your safety. At Low T Center, most insurance is accepted, and they can verify it for you. Be sure to book your appointment and make your health a priority, and don't wait. Call 615-603-3542. That's 615-603-3542. Or book online at LowTCenter.com. Again, that's LowTCenter.com. Or call 615-603-3542. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The Tennessee Department of Human Services is extending the application deadline for COVID-19 food assistance. Officials announced yesterday the cutoff date to receive benefits from the Pandemic Electronic Benefits Transfer Program is being extended to 4.30 p.m. on Monday, July 13th. Families with children receiving free or reduced meals at school or attend a community eligibility provision school are eligible to apply for the benefits. Families getting SNAP or TANF benefits don't need to apply as the payments will automatically be applied to their existing accounts. Tennessee's state of emergency due to the ongoing coronavirus is being extended through August 29th. Three executive orders announced by Governor Lee extend certain provisions and allow for the continued suspension of some laws and regulations in an effort to contain the spread of the virus. The executive orders will allow government meetings to be held electronically, remote notarization, and the continued takeout and delivery of alcohol sales. Social and recreational gatherings will continue to be limited to 50 people or less, except for houses of worship, weddings, and funerals. Police in Murfreesboro arrested a man who allegedly shot up a home with seven people inside, including a one-year-old. Officials say 28-year-old Robert Alexander Dumas fired more than a dozen bullets into a home in the 500 block of Highland Avenue in Murfreesboro just after midnight on Saturday. Bullets hit a parked vehicle and several rounds hit the exterior of the home, but nobody inside was hurt during the shooting. City of Murfreesboro will present its annual fireworks display from a new location this year to celebrate Independence Day, July 4th. Full details available on our website, WGNSRadio.com. Stay healthy, Rutherford County. Wear a mask when you go outside and maintain a safe social distance. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer, host of the Truman Show live broadcast. One of the finest restaurants in Rutherford County, at the top, as the friendliest. It's like a magnet. You just draw people in here. It seems different here in Murfreesboro. It just seems like everybody is more welcoming. Open Monday through Saturday at 6.30 for breakfast and lunch, Thursdays and Fridays for dinner. Food is ready-made. You make it. Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad, across from the Ford dealer. 
If only I could spend my whole paycheck on new tires. Said no one ever. Which is why Bud's Tire Pros makes buying Michelin tires simpler. Allison Mitchell at Bud's Tire Pros says that they offer a straightforward approach to service and they include a nationwide warranty with every purchase. We're your one-stop shop for all your automotive needs, including alignments, oil changes, brake service, engine repair, and much more. Stop by today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Tire Pros. Hassle-free guaranteed. Visit BudsTireProsTN.com. Good neighbor weather. We scattered showers and storms this afternoon with partial sunshine developing in a high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the southwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 72. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back. Thank you for asking me that, uh, Ronnie. Since we went right over, thank right. you very much. But I always like to answer a question. Yes, sir. All right. Where were we? Because uh, you had uh, Mike uh, Bowen, the chief of Murfreesboro Police Department. I want to respect that title. Uh, and, of course, Ronnie, you're a city councilman. I don't really care about respecting that particular title. but <laughs> Thanks, Trudy. You're welcome. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. It's always very appreciated. <laughs> All right, let's. Where, where were we? Chief was talking about um, the process we go through mm-hmm. to hire a yeah. certified police officer. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, like I was saying previously, uh, it takes up to about a year to hire somebody and get somebody on the road from the time that we realize that we have openings, that we make the announcement for openings, get somebody trained. Mm-hmm. So it's, about, it's a good year before they're of value as a single resource to us. One of the things that we have started recently is uh, we've reopened what we call our lateral class. So basically we keep that application process open constantly. And uh, it's for certified officers. So if you have an officer that is post-certified wanting to come from another agency, they can apply at any time. We'll periodically go through those uh, through those applications, sort through those, and then see if there's any candidates that uh, that uh, well, we'd be willing to hire and that would be willing to come while work for us. Uh, one of the big things that always uh, – uh, that makes this a long process is the vetting process. You have to do a psychological. You have to do, of course, the PT uh, process, which that that's probably one of the first steps that you take. But then the subsequent process is as you get closer and closer and we identify you as a candidate is the psychological testing, the medical testing, and the background investigation that goes into place. And we try to be pretty thorough on those uh, uh, to make sure that uh, any candidates with uh, histories that are not uh, uh, are not what we're looking for, that we vet those candidates and to make sure that we're hiring what we feel to be the best candidates. How, how many um, applicant, applicants do you get for a police officer role? All right, so typically when we advertise, we don't advertise for a particular number of positions. If we have one open, say we'll advertise for that position. So we recently closed out applications. Uh, I think we ran it for two weeks. And I want to say we got, I know it was over 200 applications during that two-week period. So uh, I know uh, this particular group, we're looking to hire about eight uh, individuals. So we'll have 200 something to pick from. Now, let me ask you one thing. Uh, one thing that we looked at was when, when we had particular needs in, in, at the sheriff's office, uh, we put them through PT tests. Right. And we're looking at what type, how they respond to those particular, uh, um, like going over walls and, right. and pulling uh, uh, dummies that weigh, say, like 170, 180 pounds, able to, to get all those things done. And a lot of agencies will hire uh, for a particular different reasons, but a lot of times you have to hire, especially in this day and time, Pretty good sized guys. I mean, they they have to be able to respond physically in a lot of situations where they don't have to go to that uh, uh, excessive use of force. Uh, 
that the media looks at, but when you're an officer, that's not always an excessive type situation. But you have to be able to perform physically with some of these larger guys, and especially if these guys are on some type of drug that they're just extremely uh, uh, strong. Just, just, it's almost they can just break you in two and take four or five officers at a time. Do you look at that particular thing as maybe one of the advantages you can have by, by hiring this type of officer? Right. You'll see probably, the uh, aside from filling out the application, uh, the, the one of the very first things that you do uh, is go through our PT test. Yeah. And basically, it's a pass-fail. If you don't do, do you them, continue this at, during their career? No, we don't. We don't do that during the career. But there are certain points throughout the career where somebody may have to retake their PT test mm-hmm. just uh, based on individual circumstances. Yeah. So it's not like a yearly thing that we do. Uh, but I know that for the hiring process, it's it's the first step uh, when we get applicant pool is we have them perform the PT. Yeah. And, uh, if you don't pass it, you're immediately eliminated from consideration. Yeah. And uh, we do post that online, and that's uh, it's the same test regardless of age, uh, sex, anything like that. Everybody does the same test, yeah. so it's not uh, it's not adjusted for for anybody's uh, individual circumstances. Like I said, that is online. Uh, we have a video of it because we want individuals that uh, are interested in working with us be able to see that and know what to expect when they show up. Yeah. Now, uh, of course, wait a minute, we got a caller. Thank you, Ronnie. Yes, I appreciate it. All right, caller, welcome aboard uh, with uh, Mike and Ronnie. Hey, good morning, Truman, and uh, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you, Councilman and uh, and uh, Chief Police being there. appreciate all the information, enjoying the conversation one thing that I want assurance from uh, the chief and the city councilman is that uh, during these uh, troubled times that we have, that our sacred monuments and historic mar- markers and buildings are going to be protected, and anybody that violates or vandalizes any of these structures uh, will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Can you please uh, assure me of that? Well, as we stated earlier, I think uh, the the whole uh, purpose for us being president of the protest is the protection of property and the protection of individuals and providing a safe environment uh, for people to be able to uh, uh, express their First Amendment rights. And uh, property protection is part of that. I know that there are processes in place to where people have... Uh, particular feelings about a monument or a certain uh, uh, symbol uh, that's displayed on public ground. There are processes uh, in place to address that, and I think that uh, it's important that people follow those processes versus uh, trying to damage, destroy, or, or otherwise uh, uh, deface that property. Uh, I think that's important. Yeah, and I, th- I think the only thing I would add is that um, I-, I was at the original protests that we had, uh, I guess it was maybe June 3rd, around that period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was one, um, I guess not this past weekend, but the weekend before, before that was on the square that was a little smaller. And so I've tried to be present uh, at as many of those protests as possible for a couple of reasons. One, um, I think lots of people like to have like to see elected officials at those things. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I wear my Ronnie Martin shirt when I'm there so that if I'm not hiding from anybody, if they want to have a conversation with me, I'm there. And what's been interesting about that is most people aren't interested in really having a conversation with me. They're really interested in being heard and, mm-hmm. and being able to express their First Amendment right. But I will tell you that um, it, 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 I have been just immensely impressed with um, the discipline and the restraint of officers, whether they be, you know, plainclothes officers or in uniform, mm-hmm. where people are there being, and, and you and I have talked about this, and I've had this discussion with many people in the community, um, what is a peaceful protest, what, what are First Amendment rights, what is violent versus nonviolent, and, and what I will tell you is I've uh, been really proud, and it's sort of been heartbreaking to watch, but I've been really proud of... Um, all of our local law enforcement officials, because it's some of them have been sheriff's department and, and Murfreesboro Police Department, and um, but you have folks that are paying for other people's um, 
call it offenses or, mm-hmm. or perceptions of police officers. And there were people protesting that said terrible things to officers, very disrespectful things to officers. Um, and I know that those things were not deserving because I witnessed them, you know, firsthand. And that's kind of heartbreaking when you see that. It makes me very proud of the discipline and the restraint that, that officers show. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's peaceful. And, yeah. and people will argue with me on that, and I'm going to argue back with them about that. That's not peaceful. Nobody wants to be spoken to that way. Nobody deserves to be spoken to that way. And if people are, are committing crimes, whether they against, whether they are against individuals or property, there's a civil way that we can work through those things. And so, you know, I, I am one that, you know, I would not advocate for somebody harming public property, harming private property. That's not the answer, and that's why we need a police department to make sure that there are people there trained to handle those situations because – can you imagine uh, protesters versus anti-protesters trying to work that out amongst themselves? They'd all be fighting out there is what they'd be doing. And, and if the law enforcement officials don't step in and solve that, that's what would be happening, and there would be more harm. So, anyway. And sadly, it, it, it's really more of a political uh, agenda. And uh, we all know that there are professional people that go out and protest. Yep. And, and for the most part, they are the ones that are going to turn violent when, when they're out there. They've been paid to do it. And I was watching something, Mike, you, you'll appreciate this. I was over at my son's house uh, a week ago, and there is a news station that is made up of entirely black uh, uh, reporters. And, and I was watching it, and I found it so interesting because... They were basically saying that all these things that they've come up with the protesters of Black Lives Matter and things like that, they say they're not representing us. They're representing the lawbreakers, and and that's where it seems like it's turned out you're either for the lawbreakers or you're for the the police. And and I, and I, I said... This is the most interesting thing I've ever seen. And I, I could have sat there and watched it for hours because they were given their p- particular side about, you know, all this chaos that's going on is it, it, all perpetrated for uh, uh, an underlying reason. And, and we all know what that particular reason is. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to erode the fabrics of our country. And we cannot allow that to happen. And sometimes... We lean over too much. When you think about it, we listen to them, and we, go, we, we try to be as calm and collected as we can with all these people that are violently, in some cases, hurting our police officers while they're trying to protect others. And it's turned into just an, an unreasonable-type situation when you're looking at it. And thank goodness we've got a place here in Rutherford County where... This is one of the best places in the world to live because we care about each other, and and it really does make a difference. But when you get these outside influences that come in and try to take over, it becomes a total mess. And you guys, you really, as Ronnie was saying, you guys really handle it well here. Right, right. And, you know, just taking in everything that you just said, you know, the officers, you know, your position on that issue is irrelevant. Uh, yeah. It, it's, you know, can we provide an atmosphere that lets you express your rights for yeah. we're protecting property, yeah. public and private property, yeah. and, and and keeping uh, keeping things uh Cordial is not the right word to use, but uh, you know, keeping uh, acts of violence or civil, disruption. Maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's, that's our primary goal, and uh, I think that they have uh, officers have shown a very good. Uh, uh, they become better and better at dealing with those type of situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it's become uh, more and more uh, common now that that they have to be uh, put in those situations. But I'm proud of them. And I'm proud of the job that they do and, and, and how they handle those situations. What's your response time in in Murfreesboro? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, but it's probably well under five minutes. Yes, I yes, would yes, presume. Yes, yes, yes. I, don't, I don't have an exact number. But you have uh, how many zones do you have in the city? Nine. Nine zones. So, uh, with this, this city, of course, the the hardest thing for law enforcement officers responding, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the traffic problem is terrible right here. Uh, 
Right. And 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 you can't say it, but I'll say it. This is the worst driving city I've ever seen in my life. Right. I mean, it's nobody knows what a passing lane is. I mean, uh, and uh, hey, Ronnie, have you ever gotten behind somebody that they slow down in front of you where you cannot get around them whatsoever? They got both lanes covered, and uh, it's such an aggravation to me. Of course, I try to dr- drive. No, I'm not going to text tell you. Yeah. No, 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 no. Hey, I'm a, since I've become an elected official, you'd be so much more impressed by my driving record. If Chief, if Chief Bowen pulled the number of speeding tickets I have, I think I've told you this before. Uh, I, you know, I had a heavy foot, but uh, I've I've tried to be a better example since I've been an elected official. So it's been good for me. Well, I tell you what, you are a great example for all the elected people here in Rutherford County. I like to mess with you. Of course, uh, everybody knows that. Yeah. But I only mess with the people I really like. I mean, it, 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 if it's somebody I'm, I'm really not happy with, I'll just let them walk by and the heck with it. But 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 you have that demeanor about you. You have a sense of humor, and, and you, do, uh, you work hard. Uh, you're like uh, uh, somebody trying to get their... Uh, master's degree in college and you're there every moment that you've got free you're you're working on it and to, to make that you're going to be successful and um, you're a rare breed you really are well you're very kind you're always very kind and and, and you know that uh, I, I say all the time and i say it jokingly but it's just the truth um, you know, I have not been one that has had any success because I was smarter than everybody else. That was not my path. My path was I knew that I had to work harder than other people had to work mm-hmm. to have success. But with that comes the personal responsibility. And I think, you know, what's going on in our community is, you know, this is timely for us to talk about this. But mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we continue to grow as a, as a community and as a country to make sure that we're providing opportunity and freedom yeah. for people to have productive, successful lives. Yeah. And where, where you grow up, the situation you're born into, maybe even the color of your skin, all those things play into that. They, sometimes they're advantages, sometimes they're disadvantages. And when you talk about that, we got to figure out ways to make sure we level the playing field where we create opportunity. But at the end of the day... Uh, you know, I, I come from a family where neither of my parents graduated for high school. From high school, we lived on. A, we were a low-income family, and I had very limited opportunities. And what I knew at a very early age is, if I didn't take opportunities, it was my fault. If I didn't work hard, it was my fault. I didn't deserve anything. I still don't deserve anything. I don't expect anything to be handed to me. I expect to work for everything I have. And that's just the only way I know to be, and it's the way I'm going to tell everybody that will listen. We've got to take personal responsibility for things in our lives and stop looking for other people to give us things. Yeah. That's pretty neat, isn't it, Mike? It is. It is. And I know you, but Ronnie is one of these people. He's very proud of the, each one of the departments in the city government. And uh, he, he mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, he said, I would like to have each one of the department uh, heads to come on the show and, and relate back to what we've really got here in the city and, and how you can best take advantage of when you have to have uh, that type of service. And I, I think that's really, really important. And he wanted to start with the, the, the city police department because of um, what it really means as far as the security to, to, to the city. And I'm glad that we have you because I think that they made a great decision when, when they selected you as, as the head of that particular department. And there's, there's not another department in the city that means more to the community than you guys and the, and the safety of our community and, and um, it, it, do you sleep at night because I remember that's something I could never do I, I don't I guess it's the overwhelming responsibility that you have and, and uh, it, it weighs on you each night doesn't it 
every night. Yeah. I lay that phone by my bed, and I, I, I just pray for the officers because, you know, we're a seven-day-a-week off operation 24 yeah. hours a day. And every time you go to bed, you know that you've got staff out there, and some of them are going to be put in some tough spots. Yeah. And it's hard not to... Uh, worry, be concerned about them, yeah. and just uh, you know they're doing a great job. They're doing an honorable job, and I'm proud of them. But like I said, there's 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 always that concern for them because you know yeah. they're facing they're facing a lot of tough situations on a daily basis. And it's important, as you know, to have an open door policy for every officer that works over there because I, I found out that the more I got to know about each individual officer, uh, the, the, the better uh, relationship that you had. Right. And, and that's a job. As, uh, well, it's always been that. They have to know that the top man in there is there for them if they ever need it, whether it be something that's happening on the job or something personal or family or whatever. And over the years, uh, it becomes more of a family than than a department or whatever. You have to be there for each other. I mean, they, you talk about it on the street, but it goes all the way uh, up to the top, doesn't it? It does, it does. And unfortunately, uh, I guess it's like uh, being a parent or anything else. You always wish that you had more time to commit and yeah. have, those, have those day-to-day conversations. And sometimes it's just I struggle with not being able to do it more than I want to do. Yeah. But uh, I, I can tell you my heart is with them, and if I could give them every minute of my day, I would. But, uh, uh, you know, as you grow as an agency, it just becomes tougher and tougher and tougher. But I, I always make it clear that uh, my door is always open. Yeah. All you have to do is uh, contact me, and I will make time for you uh, as an officer because, uh, I mean, they're important to me. Yeah. And, and, and what you just said, the size of, of, of a department, it, it, it becomes harder and harder because I, I can be honest with you, there for a while I was having a hard time keeping up. When I first started, I think there were maybe 12 of us in the whole department. Right. Wow. And, and uh, that's for the whole county. I mean, right. and, and, but you think about it, uh, I could drive from here to Eagleville or from here to Laverne. Uh, faster than I could drive from where we're sitting right now to to the the, the square. Right. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. And what are we going to do about this traffic, Ronnie? I, you know, I think um, there are lots of capital improvement projects that we're talking about that are infrastructure. Related. But we're broke right now. Well, the timing is everything, yeah. as you well know. And so, so, so if we can keep that virus away or keep from uh, all this other crap that's going on, we might be able to get some of that done. We, What I can tell you is the council and the staff know that the traffic is a major complaint, and so yeah. we'll talk a lot about that. So we're looking for solutions, but like most things, there's not a magic wand to make that you know, go away. Um, that problem was not created overnight, so we won't solve it overnight. Are we? St- hey, Mike, have we still got... Uh, those red light cameras that are still operational where that you've got a left turn signal and that that uh, left turn signal is there for two seconds and then all of a sudden everybody is backed up uh, uh, especially up there at, at church street that's a that's a bad one and then let's see do y'all have a red light camera at uh, what what is it uh, veterans parkway in 231 because that that thing, I think it's four seconds, and you got a half a mile of cars backed up. Is that state or is that you guys? There's not a red light there. Yeah, yeah, there is. Veterans and no, no, two thirty one. No, 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 a red light camera. I'm oh, sorry. oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're talking about the citation camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, yeah. There's, there's not one. There. Are those still effective? They're, they're still in place, and uh, the last set of numbers I looked at uh, still shows a reduction in accidents. Uh, so I would say yes, based on the data that I've been provided. But they're still running through it. But uh, And like I said, the, the, the same intersections that we've had all along are, are, are still the same. Are we going to keep them? That's something that I know that we're looking at a... Uh, is that y'all's decision or the council's We're going into a renewal year, so what I'll do is uh, we'll, we'll do a uh, packet and kind of present the facts and the information that we have. And, yeah. of course, of course that'll, that'll come up for renewal. You can't say where you're for it or against it. 
I like the ability to be able to enforce uh, at those intersection lines. I see you laughing. <laughs> the, the, the big thing is, is right now it's gotten so tough to, to enforce at intersections. I mean, it's, it's really hazardous to try to go in and do uh, uh, any type of significant enforcement at intersection. And then when you talk about staffing levels and everything, it's really a, a – clean, safe way to be able to do enforcement. So I like them from that aspect. Uh, they, they mean a- I don't like them. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> you have these people that are sitting there looking at their computer, right. and they're supposed to be turning left, right. and then they'll sit through two or three lights, yeah. and if they do finally go through, the light is already turned. So you can't make it. To me, it, it adds more to the, the the density of cars that are in our com, trying to get somewhere, yeah. and, and you're you're held pretty much captive by the guy that's in front of you. Right. And and, and then once that guy goes, go, you'll see three or four cars finally decide, heck, I've got to get through here, and, and it's all that. It's not the one that gets caught. It's the one who causes all the problem. Right, right. And you'll find a lot of those cars stopped it has nothing to do with red light. You'll find that most people are on a phone or something at those intersections yeah. causing a lot of those issues. Yeah. I see that more and more nowadays, and I think uh, probably everybody's probably more aware of that. Are we writing any tickets for the people who are using the computer and all this other stuff? That is, uh, we have really... Uh, uh, been working closely. In fact, it's a countywide effort now with uh, uh, Highway Patrol and other agencies in the county try to address those traffic safety issues. Mm-hmm. And I know distracted driving is is one of the issues that we try to address. We've had uh, several, uh, I'll call them events, uh, we've had several initiatives with them to be able to uh, uh, enforce those type of actions. And one of them, in fact, was uh, uh, statewide, and it covered 231 from state line to state mm-hmm. line, and just agencies all along that route yeah. uh, tried to bring awareness to that stuff. So, yeah, that, that's a primary focus. I mean, it, it, it's a contributor to accidents. It's what causes accidents, distracted driving. So that's definitely something that we, we want to focus on mm-hmm. and that we'll continue to focus on over time. I, I've got a question about that. So not that I have ever run a red light, but... If I were to have done that, I was behind you the other day when you did. If I were to have done that, it would probably be where that yellow light is on the borderline and I'm already traveling, you know, 40 or 50 miles an hour and I'm trying to get through after, you know, the yellow changes to red. So I'm aware of that and so I'm pushing through the intersection, right? From an accident standpoint, I, I would think that you've got a car stationary on one side. And you've got a car traveling at you know 40, 50 miles an hour, kind of trying to get a second or two jump through that changing light. It seems to me that, um, and I don't know this, but that's why I'm asking the question, that more of those accidents would be related to people just not distracted driving, not being aware that there's a red light, and just going right through it rather than rushing through it. Is that any truth to that at all, or is that not? What do you think? Say that again. So <laughs> I didn't understand that question either. Mark. So so I'm approaching um, a red light in intersection, and let's say it, I'm traveling 40, 45 miles an hour, and I see the light change, and I make the split-second decision that I'm going to go through it because either I can't stop or I think I can get through it before it changes. Well, at the perpendicular site, there's a car sitting still, zero miles per hour. My point is, are more accidents caused by somebody jumping that red light, going ahead and going through it because they're trying to beat the red light, which is kind of the spirit of a red light camera, stopping folks from running through the intersection, versus somebody that's got their head down and is not aware that the light has changed. And rather than me taking that, or someone else, I would never do that, taking that one to two second jump through that light as it's changing somebody just being totally oblivious that it oblivious that it's changed a red light because they're looking at their phone or something else i don't know i would have to look at the numbers and yeah. kind of look at the reports and, and look at contributing factors to be able to make that kind of determination i can tell you that in most cases when you have people running red lights if they were on their phone things like that sometimes it's tough to figure that out right because they're not going to tell you yeah so you don't so have good data it, if you will yeah. yeah yeah so so yeah that that'd be uh that'd be tough information but i mean it's something we'd have to look at all the contributing factors and kind of base it off of that now uh, accident reconstructions 
Mm-hmm. Are those mostly done if they're personal injuries? It, it would have to be serious personal injury. Yeah. And it would have to – fatalities are serious personal injuries. Yeah. If it looks like it's going to be something that's life-threatening, we'll go ahead and do uh, reconstructions on those. Yeah. It's a pretty involved process, so we can't do it on every personal injury. Yeah. Now, next week, you're going to have uh, parks and recreation. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Nate Williams. Um, you know Nate. Oh, yeah, I know Nate. And he used to go to church, and like I told you, his mama, Lisa, is a great singer. And she did uh, my mama's funeral, and she did my wife's funeral. Really? Yeah. And uh, um, Can Nate sing? Maybe he'll sing for us while he's here. I hope not. I think I remember him in church. Bless his heart. So we are we have got a thunderstorm going on here at Sylvan Park. I think it's already rained about two inches since we've been sitting here. But um, anything we need to bring up, uh, Mike, that people need to know or or um, might be interested in? No, no. Uh, uh. Nothing. I, I kind of went back to that question you asked earlier about zone coverage. You know, zone coverage is always something that we're expanding as we do annexation, things like that. So yeah. that's always, yeah, we're in the process right now of uh, trying to focus our resources. And uh, yeah. I know that I've had some presone, proposed zone maps uh, presented to me to where we'll be adding some zone coverage. So so uh, that's something that's always evolving, and it's a, it's a process because we're trying to put the people in the right places yeah. to make sure that we get the best response times and things like that. Like that so it's working progress. So I would like to say that all the people that have uh, reached out in support that we uh, thank you for that. It means yeah. a lot. I think it, 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 and I know the the men and women of the agency really appreciate that, and yeah. we're blessed to have the people that we have working for us, and we're also blessed to be uh, living and working in the community that we're in. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing, I, I, I guess I'm going to go over, and we're already over. But uh, how much would you think that we would be understaffed as far as being able to work at 100% capacity for the city? Whoa, that's a, that's a pretty in-depth conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, because what we'd have to look at is, uh, for the police department, you would have to look at the overall numbers that we should be uh, experiencing as an agency of our size, mm-hmm. and then uh, you have to look at that and uh, kind of know how many that you need to add to future budget requests. I can tell you for the allocated positions that we have right now, the 281, uh, we're probably eight shy of filling those positions. Yeah. So, Truman Jan says real quick, uh, she's on vacation next week, so mm-hmm. you're in charge of the show. She's on vacation. She just got off vacation. <laughs> I'll let you take that up with her. Yeah, yeah. Well, this this is fun, guys. Uh, it's very informative, mm-hmm. and we can still have fun and enjoy each other's company. That's special. Yeah. Yeah. Chief, All right, thanks guys. for coming. Yeah. Thank All you. right, guys. Well, what's the day, Tuesday? I'm going to be off for three or four days. Good yeah. All right. Thanks, Ruby. All right. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Thank you. From Sylvan Park Restaurant on Northwest Broad Street, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming online at WGNSRadio.com. News Radio WGNS.